I'm Jimmy Alexander, and welcome to Out With Jimmy. It's the podcast where members of the LGBTQ community share their coming out stories with you. And don't miss any episode. Go to uh, Apple Podcast and just search Jimmy Alexander. You'll find me there. Click subscribe. And while you're there, it would not hurt my feelings if you wrote a nice review and uh, gave me as many stars as you possibly can. Uh, follow me on social media. It's Out With Jimmy. And if you would like to share your story, uh, go to outwithjimmy.com and you can uh, send a message there. Well, this week, we're going to find out if a chef can cook up uh, some little lesbian love. That's because Christy is out with Jimmy. Hi, I'm Christy Cleveland. I live in Alexandria, Virginia. I am a chef, and I am a lesbian. Now, Christy, who was the first person that you looked at and you said, I'm a lesbian? I would say when I was in about second grade, I had a crazy crush on my teacher. Um, What was her name? Um, her name was Mrs. Turley. Mrs. Turley. Mrs. Turley. And I didn't exactly understand what I was feeling because I was pretty young, but I just knew that I wanted to have her over for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny that you wanted to have her for dinner because you are a... Chef. A chef. So there you are in second grade, and obviously you you didn't know what the hell was going on. You didn't understand it, and you didn't tell anybody. I can't imagine. No, I, I begged for my parents to have her over for dinner. But, and they didn't understand it either. They were like, why do you want her to come over for dinner? That's your teacher. And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to have her over. And, you know, so here I am, second grade, trying to, you know, make a date. And <laughs> she liked older women at a very young age. That's correct. When is the last time you saw Mrs. Turley? Uh, it was probably not long after that time of my life. I believe, you know, I was, maybe she was still around when I was in third grade. And then I think she transferred and moved down Aww. to another school. So Aww. that was my first heartbreak. Yeah. That, it's hard. It's hard when you lose them young. It is hard when you lose them young. But I will always remember that being a realization for me. Of, I think I'm different than everybody else. And when you have that feeling, it definitely um, you know it, and then you instantly go, "I've got to hide this. I can't tell anybody." Right? Absolutely. Um, I'm from a very small town in Western North Carolina. Um, very conservative. Grew up in a very conservative family. Um, and and just kind of thought, okay, yeah, this is. I'm not telling anybody this. Yeah, um, I'm going to keep this to myself. And I even remember, you know, my mother wanting to dress me differently back, then, you know, dress mm-hmm. me more feminine, more yeah. girly, and I always hated it. So I would take a change of clothes with me. Even back then, my mom would kind of dress me a certain way to go to school. I would get to school, I would change into something that I liked more. Uh, and then ch- change back before the end of the day. Now, how did that um, affect you when you got into middle and high school, when you went through puberty and you started going, oh, my God, something is different? Right. Um, you know, so I've always sort of, I, I lo- let me just say, I love being a woman. Um, I, I think a lot of people in our community, I, I understand and support and accept um, people who are transgendered. Uh, I'm not, but... I've always dressed sort of, you know, more masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wear men's jeans. I wear, honestly, I've worn boxer briefs since I was about 15 or 16. Mm. I just feel more comfortable that way. We need to get you in some Andrew Christian. I'll, I'll make a note here. <laughs> okay. Note to self. Um, so you're in high school. Let's say middle school. I wear button-ups. Button-up. I wear, you know, men's jeans. I wear flannels. And I feel comfortable, but... 
my mother was very feminine mm-hmm. and mm. she wore make, you know, so there was always a struggle between us uh, about what I'd be wearing. And, and, you know, she didn't like it. And I would, you know, I was overweight, my, you know, I yeah. was overweight then okay. too. And so I think my mom in a way felt like, you know, maybe she's just dressing this way because it's kind of, she feels like it's hiding her mm-hmm. weight, you know, so, and she doesn't feel feminine. So, I mean, she was looking for so many things to, um, Fix? Yeah. Well, just an excuse for... Okay. An excuse for the fact that I wore what I wore and dressed how I dressed and carried myself the way I carried myself. Now, I never had a girlfriend um, until I graduated and went to college. Mm. Uh, My town is so small that, I mean, except for like a few gay men, I mean, I was kind of the only person in town that I knew of that that was a lesbian, that was gay, you know, a woman... And uh, even if there had been some options there, I knew better at the time than to act on that because I knew the family that I grew up in and what it would mean for me to act on that and be sort of out in high school and have a girlfriend or or things like that. So I just kept it to myself. Did you have role models in whether the media or we said you didn't know any lesbian? When's the first time you met a, a lesbian? When I went away to, to college. Oh, my gosh. Um, and you think about that now, because if we met a high school girl who was a lesbian, and we said, have you ever met another lesbian? She said, of course I have. Or, yes. I've seen Ellen. I know Rosie. I know um, Ruby Rose. Absolutely. On uh, you know, CW's the Batwoman. The I mean, L word. I mean, of course you would in 2019. Yes. But growing up in North Carolina, because I grew up... Um, a couple hours away from you in, in uh, Graham, North Carolina, and you kept that you kept that shit hidden because you I would did. be mocked. You would be, you know the whispers all about you. And well, I'll tell you, um, at the time, I knew so strongly that it would be life changing in a negative way for me at the time. I knew I needed to keep it hidden because I wanted to finish college. Mm. So unfortunately, um, I didn't get that chance. Um, so I went away to school. Um, I you know, graduated from high school, went on to college. Um, and after I was, it was my sophomore year, like towards the end of my sophomore year, uh, someone back home outed me to my parents, mm. um, sort of out of a retaliation thing. You know, it was, there was an issue and this person felt like they needed to do that to me. So, um, I was going home for Thanksgiving, um, and my parents had been told about two weeks before that and didn't say anything to me. So I was away at school, still had conversations with them, you know, hey, I'll be home in a couple weeks, you know, how am I, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I had gotten in trouble right before that break. Um, I decided to go to New Orleans with some of my friends. Um, I blew off my rent. We went mm. into Winnebago to New Orleans. We had a great time. So my parents had taken my car from me. Mm. So we were trying to figure out how I was going to get home for Thanksgiving. And I said, well, I have a friend, you know, another one of my friends from home was in school with me and was going home. And I said, I'll just ride home with her. My mom, I'll never forget this. She insisted on coming to pick me up, which I thought was strange because it was about a four hour drive. Mm-hmm. Here, I have a ride. So anyway, she insisted to come and get me. So... She comes and picks me up. Um, we take this long drive back to where I'm from. It takes about four hours. 
Very little conversation on the way back. I felt this weird heaviness. Mm -hmm. There was tension. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was, but I was uncomfortable in this drive with my mom. And we had never really had a great relationship um, all of my life. So it was not horribly uncommon for us not to just be chatting, but it was there was something else going on there. And the silence was deafening in the car. Oh, yeah. It was heavy. So we pull into the driveway. We walk into my house. My dad's there, you know. And as we walk in, my mom, gra- you know, this is back when everybody had a landline and they still used yeah. them. Uh, I'm almost 42 years old, so, you know, we're mm-hmm. talking 20 years ago. Um, my mom picks up the phone and takes it off the hook, turns around, looks at me, and says, we know everything. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm trying to kind of play it. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know what you mean. Are you still talking about New Orleans? Like, did you find out what I did there? You know, so (laughs) I don't know what I I knew, but I was kind of trying to like stave it off, I guess. I understand. So uh, in that moment, uh, my parents sat me down and they said, we know, we know you have a girlfriend. We know you're gay. Um, You know how we feel about things like that. So to make a long, long, drawn out, ridiculous night short here in this conversation that we're having, they said, you can go to conversion therapy. Uh, We will send you to, that was back when that was like sort of all the rage, you know, like pray the gay away. Everybody jokes about it now because it doesn't really exist anymore. Thank God. Uh, It just doesn't. It's not really a thing like it was. They had these, you know, programs that you could go to. So they said, we will send you there um, and you can work on this. And still go to school, or you can be on your own, mm. and we will no longer support you. We will not pay for school. You know, we will. You will be on your own. You will lose our support financially while you finish school, whatever. So, basically, I said, "Well, I, I want to think about." I mean, I knew what I was yeah. going to do, but I was like, "Oh my god!" So I have to figure out a plan. I have to get in. Like, I have to be in panic mode here. So this was a, in, in the evening. And how old are you at this point? Um, I had just turned twenty-one. Okay. Still so, a kid. Yes. And I mean, I grew up in um, what I consider, I mean, in a fluent home. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad worked hard. You know, he was in real estate. Um, I grew up in the restaurant business. My family had a restaurant. They sold it when I was young and my dad went into real estate and uh, did very well. So I'd been used to that type of support and having what I needed sure. or what I wanted, even though i Started working when I was 15 because I wanted my own Understood. life. Um, I certainly, you know, was lucky enough to have the type of family where I didn't have to worry about how I was going to pay for college. So um, I took that night to sort of figure out my f- fight or flight mm-hmm. plan. And um, the next day I decided I was, I was leaving. Let me ask you uh, this side note. So you really came to grips with who you are and what you are in college. Yes, but I didn't accept myself until much later. Uh, Well, I understood. When's the first time you kissed a girl? College. How old were you? 18. So you're 18. Now, three years later, 19, 20, 20, I can do math. You waited all those years, all those years to finally have someone hold you and I have chills thinking about it because I know that, think about when you're in high school mm-hmm. and those times when you 
those amazing times that they make movies about. Sure. First, first kiss. First kiss, that first love. First girlfriend, first boyfriend, all And of so it. now you're 21 and you're like, what? No. I, I waited all those years and you're telling me I'm going to have to go pray the gay away at, at yeah. some hootenanny. Mm-hmm. And so the next day you tell your parents. I said, I'm, I'm leaving. Um, now, I had always been a yes ma'am. Yeah. Yes, sir, person. I, I did, you know, I didn't get in trouble in high school, really. I didn't go, I was never allowed to go to the parties. Like, I I pretty much was a good, you know, I was a little bit rebellious, but nothing out. Well, yeah, you were rebellious. You changed clothes when you got to school. I think we know. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I was a little, yeah. I pushed the limits yeah, a yeah. little bit. But, um, but they I, never had trouble with you. No, I mean, I made good grades. I, you know, yeah. I... I went to school. I I cared. So, but my motivation was also to do well, fly under the radar, and get out of there. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get out. So at graduation, I was one of the only people that wasn't crying. I was like, oh, thank God, I'm out of here soon. Free, getting out. So I told them, yes, you know, I'm I'm not. I can't do that. I can't go to one of those. Like I'm sorry, like. I have well, to draw you hear, a line. Well, you hear the, the horror stories. Well, yeah, the and I was, physical, I was terrified. The mental the abuse. Whole, oh, yeah. And I have heard about it. And like I said, at that time, 20 years ago, that was a real thing. Like, it was going on all over the country. Um, you know, I mean, they had the brochures sitting there when I got home. I mean, you know, they had done the research. And I was like, oh, man, you know, this, is, this can't be the life that I'm supposed to live. So no. they uh, told me that they would no longer support me. So what I did... Because I was like, well, how am I going to get back to school? Like, I think this means they're not going to let me keep my car. I'm not going to be able to finish classes. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm living in an apartment off campus that they're helping me pay for. I don't have a job at the time because I'm going to school full time. Now, I know a lot of people did both and they went to school and they worked. But at that time, I wasn't. So I was scared. So I told them, hey, I'm going to get I'm going to go see my cousin. Um, who was really more of a sister to mm-hmm. me, very close. Uh, I basically said, I'm going to go see her, then I'll come back and we'll finish talking. So what I did was I threw all my shit in the car mm-hmm. and I left. I, dr- I drove all the way back to school. That dr- Tell me about that drive. Uh, I was scared. I was sad. Um, I kept worrying. This was kind of right before cell phones were everybody's every day mm-hmm. you know i think we still paid by the minute you know it was mm-hmm. like that so but i had one so i kept thinking you know it's, it's gonna ring and i'm in tr- i'm gonna be in trouble and you know they're gonna figure out i didn't go where i said i was gonna go like i think i was scared but i was also sort of like all right this is what i'm doing i'm gonna figure it out when i get there would you say it's fair that's the time you grew up you, you went from being a kid to an adult absolutely um and i mean that's the story is so Obviously, before I got all the way back, they realized that I wasn't where I said I was. Um, so they called and reported the car stolen. <laughs> so, so I... We'll teach her. Yeah. So, But I kind of was already almost to where I was supposed to go. So I called my cousin, who I was supposed to be visiting, and I said, this wasn't about the car. I don't need the car now. I made it to where I needed to go. Here's where it's parked. Here's where the keys are. Somebody can come get it. Mm-hmm. So I did not steal the car. I used it to get where I needed mm-hmm. to go. I don't need it. So. And this was all about punishing you. Oh, sure. This for- was about like kind of 
back then, and I mean, I hate this term and I hate this phrase and I hate the whole idea of it, but it was the tough love movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the harder we push, the more we're going to get you to come around. Like, you've got to be scared to... But they're taking like lessons you hear in Al-Anon and and yeah. providing it for their daughter who's just a lesbian. I mean, and I'm going to school and yeah, I'm trying I mean, to like you know, hey, d- you know, did I rebel when I got to school too? Sure. I mean, I grew up in a sheltered town in a in a in a place where I couldn't do anything. My, it wasn't like you were turning tricks in the dorm no, and but on, I mean, my on dad, meth. Yeah. My dad was the mayor of our town. Oh, I mean, so for 20 years, so people would you know. See me, I mean, I, I would be smoking a cigarette, like, in the, you know, somewhere, like, away, and people would be like, hey, they'd call my mom. We saw Christy smoking. Christy was driving too fast. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the environment that I grew yeah, up in. You're like, you should see what I do in the back seat, but let, never left. Right. So, hey, you know, but I never, but I never really rebelled against, I mean, I always, at the end of the day, ended up doing what my parents wanted me to do. So this was the first time that I stood up to that. And I'm like, no, I'm doing, I'm this, I can't let you do this to me. I can't. So left, parked the car. A couple days later, whatever, they came, they got the car, took it, sold it. Stopped paying for school. Stopped paying for my apartment. I had to drop out. Um, I had to start working. I immediately went out and found a job. I have no car. So I don't really have reliable transportation. I did have a girlfriend at the time. She kind of helped me get where I needed to go. I got back on my feet. I stayed with really good friends that were supportive. And I had I had an environment of support, even though I didn't have family support. And everybody else in my family was supportive, though. So it was really just sort of like my... You hear that quite often where it's the parents are the ones who are being ridiculous mm-hmm. or unfair. And... Th- they don't realize that everybody else in their family is gossiping, gossiping about them saying, can you believe that they're not supporting? Their right. Dog? And I mean, again, at that time, I mean, that was kind of right before this whole movement of seeing it on TV, yeah. seeing it, you know, in media and print and everywhere else. And I just remember feeling like I'll never get to walk down the street and hold my girlfriend's mm-hmm. hand. I'll never get, I'll never have those experiences, you know, because but I'm so happy that other people will. I'm so happy that other people won't feel the shame or the guilt or the being afraid. I mean, if I- straight people do not realize they don't the shame that you feel, no matter if you're gay, lesbian, trans or bisexual, uh, asexual, they do not realize from media or from school or from their parents, the church the shame that is put upon you where you feel like you have to hide. Right. And I think, to I mean, it is such an inspirational time for me at this point in our life. Like the last, I'd say the last 10 years even, it has been such a positive thing to see so many people have come out. It, I can pretty much turn to any channel now and watch television and Uh-oh. feel like. Yeah, go ahead. And feel like. I mean, there's going to be a, a gay or lesbian sex scene or there's a trans storyline. I mean, there's all these things. I mean, it's I can't imagine what it's like to be in school now as a teenager or middle school. Nobody cares. anymore. Nobody cares. That's great. Like, that's how that's all I ever wanted. Yeah. Was for nobody to care. Just, nobody cares. Um. Well, let's go to your staying with friends, your yes. girlfriend. 
your parents. So when is the next time you saw them face to face? I went for a long period of time. Um, actually, let me back up. So that happened at Thanksgiving. Okay, so my mom begged me to come home for Christmas. Um, I have an autistic brother mm-hmm. um, who's 14 and a half years older than me. Um, she didn't want to tell him what was going on. And, and he probably loved you. Yeah, loved, no, yeah. my brother. He, no, yeah, I mean, we had yeah. a great relationship. We still do. Um, she didn't want things to be different for him for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I agreed to go home for even. So it's about a month. Yeah. I kind of started getting into my, okay, what am I going to be doing? My life. I started a job, all this stuff. So I get home for Christmas. And, and again, they beg me to just go and do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not doing it. I said, I agreed to come home. Christmas was very awkward. I was upset. My mom was upset. I mean, there was a lot of crying and trying to kind of hide it from my brother because we didn't want, she didn't want to tell him. And honestly, I didn't want to go through that. I I didn't want to deal with that either. So it was just this whole, like, let's get through the holidays thing. When you saw your mom and dad for the first time after all of this. Shame. Did you cry oh, when yes. you when you as soon as you saw him? Yep. Did they cry? My mom did. Um, you know, she was very tearful and very just. I think so used to me following the the pattern of, hey, you know, you've done some things before, but you always come around. Yeah, you always do what we, you know. I'm trying to scare you. Yeah. Why aren't you scared? Why is this not working? All of my friends, all of the books I've read, all of the people I've talked to about this whole thing, you know, in my mind, this is my mom, Mm -hmm. it says this should work for you. You should, you know. Don't you want, see, that's something that parents may not understand. Don't you want this for yourself? Don't you want to be straight? You can't want to be a lesbian. You can't want to be gay or trans or whatever. It's like, no, this is who I am. Well, and I mean, I remember saying, like, basically pleading and saying, you know, don't you think if it were that easy, I'd have a boyfriend right yeah. now? Don't you think if it was a choice for me, I would choose the path of least resistance? Mm-hmm. Don't you think that I want to finish school? Don't you think that I just want to live a normal life like everybody else? I think the the biggest lesson I learned from myself Mm -hmm. at the time of of when everything went on. Um, I learned how to thrive. I learned how to survive. I didn't let myself fall into the trap of the only way you're going to get through your life is if you go change. I was like, no, I'm going to go make it work. And so I, you know, after that, I, I mean, I've had a great career. I mean, my, my life, it was okay. Sure. Did I go and get in credit card debt so I could pay rent and have a place to live and figure out how to get a car and all? Sure. But I did what I had to do to survive because I was so convicted about who I was, yeah. my life, what I felt like my life would be like if I didn't just live it the way that I felt like it was supposed to be lived. If I, you know, took that part of myself and packed it away like I had all the years before that. Um, I wouldn't be here. I mean, and there were so many, I did have so many people throughout that time that were supportive. And I'm so grateful to that because, you know, unfortunately a lot of, uh, a lot of gay and lesbian youth, trans youth, um, 
they don't have it, you know, and, and it's, it's horrible and shocking, you know, the rates of, of suicide and, mm-hmm. and, th- and homelessness and things like that. And I could have easily gone that way if I hadn't had certain people supporting me. Um, my cousin, my aunt and my grandmother were the three women in my life that they always operated in the background of my life. And I ha- if I hadn't had that, I probably wouldn't be sitting here with you today because I probably would have become hopeless and helpless and just given up. You know, a lot of people turn to drugs, alcohol, and they selling just, their bodies, all kinds. That's of That's another thing. And I think that, you know, I was lucky to have the, I call them the trifecta, but I, I had that because they, I could always tell them at the end of the day, this is where I am. This is what I'm doing. I'm okay. I always had sort of a checks and balances system outside of my nuclear family. And, um, I'm so grateful to it even today. I mean, you know, uh, my grandmother's still alive, which is which is amazing, and and she's still probably my best friend. Um, so I just feel that. How old is your grandmother? She is 96 years old. So a woman who was born, uh, you know, in the last century, early last century, yep. does not care. She does not care. That's um, you know, and she was always there for me in that way. You know, she always. Was supportive. I mean, I've had many relationships over the years. Um, you know, my parents, I would say that they came forward a little bit okay. from where they used, but it stopped. It Like they came like, a couple inches forward. I mean, I was in relationships throughout the years um, where I still was not allowed to bring somebody home. I, you know, I couldn't include them in. Were you able, were you ever able to bring someone home? Um, I was able to bring somebody home not that long. It was, you know, it was a few years ago um, and I had been in the relationship for many years. Yeah. Finally, someone in my family was getting married and, and that person invited myself and my girlfriend at the time to, for both of us to come. And I was, I remember feeling like worried and scared like is my mom like is this gonna be all right Mm -hmm. like you know there were so many times when i just didn't go to the whatever it was because i always had to make a choice do i hurt my mom Mm -hmm. and show up with the person that i'm with and support my relationship and support you know my partner you know and make it awkward because my Mm -hmm. mom's still not do i just not show up at all stay home and hurt the person's feelings that wants me there that's okay with everything and says, Hey, bring, you know, bring whoever, or do I hurt myself because I'm so stuck in it. I'm stuck in the middle. Like somebody always gets hurt yeah, or, or did. And I always felt like it's either them, you know, it's either my mom or, you know, somebody in my family that, or it's the person I'm with or it's me. Mm-hmm. So there's always a consequence. And, and you do get from your spouse or your girlfriend, boyfriend, whomever, the, why don't you just, yes, you know, make them deal with it? And it's yeah. like, well, that's not the dynamic here. And, and I get that. So your parents now. So at this point, neither of them are with. Okay. They yeah. passed away. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. And how was it at the end? It was pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, it just was not. Um, it never came in my mind, far enough to um, make me feel that in the end it was accepted, that it was okay. They never said anything that made you feel 
better? Um, it was more of, you know, I hope you have a good life. Mm. I hope, you know, that you are happy. But I never felt the acceptance and the understanding and the, you know, it's okay. Um, I was told, you know, I've been told different times in my life by my own mother. I'm so upset because not all of my children will be in heaven. Oh, that's the type of um, thinking. And you don't unhear that. That is not something you unhear it. No, I mean, you know, this is a, this is a story I'll tell it'll, I'll make it quick. This always used to bother me. Uh, It's actually still bothers me, even though it was years and years ago. My mom used to take, there was a consignment store in a neighboring town. I was like 10 minutes away. And she would always take her clothes and consign them um, when she was done with them. Mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I remember she told me one time I had moved back home for a period. This is like years ago. Mm-hmm. But I had, I was sort of, I moved back home for a little period of time. It didn't work out very well. But I was still, I was there at the time. She said, do you have any clothes that, you know, you don't want anymore or whatever? Because I always had nice clothes. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I mean, they they were nice. And she's like, do you want to... Um, take him over here and see if maybe you can make a little bit of money or, you know, whatever. So I took my clothes, consigned them. And actually, I guess I had a, a check at this place. So my mom went over to the store to pick up a check for herself. And they said, you know, we also have a check for Christy. They obviously felt like, hey, these people are related. Mm. It's the same last name. We have a check for Christy. Do you know Christy? And my mom said no. Oh. Because she was embarrassed because I had sold. I wear I wear men's clothes. So I had sold men's clothes at this store. And she was too embarrassed to pick the check up. Even though she told me to take them. And do you think they remembered remember and, what was in the clothes? And don't, do you think they care? No. But I'm just saying like that. But that. And that always stuck with me. It always. I, that's I, your, I confronted your, her. Your yeah. mom being ashamed of you. I mean, that I, is yeah. hurts me. I can't imagine if it was you. That was, you know, and that was so long ago, but it never, I never forgot that. What was her answer to you when you? She admitted it. I said, did you, why didn't you get, pick it up? And, and she admitted it. She said, I was embarrassed. And I said, okay. I mean, I, I, I think I cried. Yeah. Um, because I was like, wow, you know, this, you really, this, these are strangers. Who was more tough about it, your mom or dad? My mom. My mom, for sure. Do you miss your parents? Yes. But I think what I miss the most is the relationship that we were nev- never able to have. Yeah. Because of the, you know, it's like, I mean, I grew up with going to Sunday school and going to church and and having that be a huge part of my life because I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm not here to reject religion or anything like that. I reject some of the ideals yeah. and some of the things that were forced upon me. But, you know, it's my being gay was this immovable rock between myself and my family. So... I couldn't ever push it out of the way enough for us to like see each other. So it was always there and it was always in the way. And I, I mean, I didn't even talk about my relation. I mean, I left so many parts of my life filtered 
out of when I would speak to my family. You know, I would, I almost, it's almost as if I had to be two people mm. because I would say, hey, this is, this is going on, this is going, and I would leave out. Did they ever ask about anybody you were dating? You know, sometimes they did. Okay. Um, it wasn't that genuine. Yeah. I think it was just, you know, because I mean, you could tell when I would have conversations that um, I was leaving things out. Yeah. Each week I ask this question. If sure. you could go back and tell your 15-year-old self some advice, what would it be? I don't know that I would have changed a whole lot um, back then because I think if I were a minor mm-hmm. and I'd been outed or had come out back then, I would have ended up in one of those places without being able to say no. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been an adult. So I think I would have probably stayed the way that I was um, for that reason. Chrissy, we're going to talk about some stereotypes here because I believe there are stereotypes for reasons. Sure. The joke about lesbians <laughs> is, what do the lesbians do on a second date? You haul. Yeah, okay. Is that true? Um, you know. What's the closest, okay, here you, the closest you went from first date to moving in with somebody is how long? Oh, man. Um, I would say... A couple months. Okay, well, that's not bad. That's not that's not the I next day. A couple months. <laughs> yeah, it's not the next. Why day. is that a stereotype? I think that women. I mean, I can't speak for all women, but I think when when two women are in a relationship, there's it's a more nurturing environment, and mm. I think that women are more inclined to um, spend time together. Mm. That it just feels like a safe environment, yeah. and and I feel like. Um, I mean, and this is probably the case with most relationships, but a lot of the relationships that I've been in, we were friends first. Yes. So there was a, there was a really big basis, you know, and, and a, um, foundation mm-hmm. for our, my relationships that I was in before we actually made it relationship official. So that friendship had grown and grown and grown. So I felt like it was just an, it was like natural. Yeah. Like, hey, We've been hanging out. We've been friends for a long time. Now we're in a relationship. I mean, I don't want to sit at my apartment alone. Do you? No, like, you, no. It, I totally you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I totally, I'm just speaking of yeah. like the collective you. Like, hey, like, why don't we just? We're we're either at one place or the other. We're sure. wasting money. I know. Yeah, and we're just going to be on the phone. So um, might as well just. No, I no, I totally get. Yeah, it. but it's funny you hear that joke, and it's like you know, with gay men, it's like, well, what do gay men do on a second date? What second date? Exactly. Um, and I agree with you. That's a that, huge stereotype. Like, And sometimes it's true. But um, yeah, I, I do want to talk about um, your life after school. You go to uh, culinary school and, mm-hmm. and mention some of the places that you've uh, been a chef. So I worked for Ritz-Carlton for several years. Um, I was a chef at the Ritz-Carlton in Lake Tahoe. Um, then I got a great opportunity to move to New York City. And I was at the Ritz-Carlton Central Park. I came to D.C. with Ritz-Carlton and was the uh, chef at the Ritz-Carlton in Georgetown. I decided to leave hotels for a while um, just to see what else I could do. So I went on to be executive chef at Georgetown University and at the American History Museum with Smithsonian. And now I'm sort of um, at a place where and the story of actually where I am is, a, is an inspiring one, too. Um, I don't know if you know the owner of the company, uh, United Therapeutics, which is in Silver Spring. I don't know if you know who she mm-hmm. is. Um, her name is Martine. 
uh, Rothblatt, and she actually was the creator of Satellite Radio, of Sirius XM. Oh, wow. Her daughter was sick uh, and needed a drug that was, I don't know, remember exactly what the story was with the drug, but it was going to stop being manufactured. So she sold her shares of Sirius XM to begin a drug company um, and manufacture this drug so that it would save her daughter's life. So oh, my gosh. That's what she did. Um, but Martine used to be Martin. Mm, okay. So working at a company at this point in my life where the owner of this successful company, this drug company um, called United Therapeutics, having somebody like that to look up to and to be um, you know, in a place surrounded by that type of you know, environment that I'm in right now, I sometimes think, oh, my God, like, We've we've all come so far. Um, I work in a place where I mean, I'm nobody cares. No, and nobody cares what. Not that they don't care. Everybody respects this woman and her life and who she is, and they don't care what she used to be or how she got there. They don't care. Just are you a good person? That's the big test to me in life. Yes. Are you a good person? Absolutely. Thank you, Christy Cleveland, for joining us today. Your story is motivational. Think about that. Your parents saying, sorry, uh, we're not going to pay for your college unless you go to a pray the gay away camp. And think about what she achieved in her life. How many people can say, yeah, I was the chef at the New York Ritz-Carlton. She has a happy life. She has a beautiful, wonderful girlfriend. Things do get better. Thank you, Christy, for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for listening. I so appreciate it. Please go to Apple Podcast, write us a nice review, and uh, give us as many stars as you possibly can. It does help the show tremendously. And of course, click subscribe while you're there. And a big thank you to WTOP and Julia Ziegler for allowing us to record here in the Glass Enclosed Nerve Center. 